God said, I need somebody willing to get up before dawn, milk cows, work all day in the fields, milk cows again, eat supper, then go to town and stay past midnight at a meeting of the school board. So God made a farmer. My administration will be focused on three very important words. Jobs, jobs, jobs. This man must be a minister, a social worker, a diplomat, a tough guy, and a gentleman. And of course, he'll have to be a genius because he'll have to feed a family on a policeman's salary. From this day forward, it's going to be only America first. America first. We, the citizens of America, are now joined in a great national effort to rebuild our country and restore its promise for all of our people. Because today, we are not merely transferring power from one administration to another, or from one party to another. But we are transferring power from Washington, D.C., and giving it back to you, the people. Hold on to your seats. Buckle up for safety. You are now entering another dimension with The Scott Adams Show. That's right. My name is Scott Adams. You're listening to The Scott Adams Show. I want to thank everybody for tuning in today. And, you know, um, uh, over the weekend, we were uh, I was watching uh, Maria Bartiroma and uh, came to some really good interviews uh, that uh, particularly Jason Smith from Missouri, who went into the uh, who covered the uh, economy really, really well. And so we're going to get into that today. Uh, also, uh, there's some important elections tomorrow, uh, particularly um, Trump's candidate, Arrington, is going against the incumbent in South Carolina, Mace. And uh, we have a clip on what Mace had to say about Trump. Uh, basically, she threw Trump, Trump under the bus for J6. And so... Naturally, Trump endorsed Arrington, and uh, and that would be my uh, recommendation is to go with Arrington, even though she Arrington lost her seat in the South Carolina race, uh, I think in 2018, but it could have been rigged. Who knows? You know, it is Lindsey Graham country, and uh, there seems to there seems to be a lot of. Uh, shenanigans going on with Lindsey Graham in South Carolina GOP politics. So we'll see about that. But uh, you can't endorse rhinos. Uh, that's one thing we have to put a stop to. And it was just interesting because uh, they're also, Congress is looking at this gun law. And so right now they're they're doing a framework uh, with respect to the, the uh, Senate. They're doing a gun uh, safety framework Forget about human safety, right? Forget about your safety. They, they want to make sure the gun is safe. I, I don't understand that. But gun safety, <clears throat> and um, so long as they have, um, the, the buzzword for anybody listening here is that it, so long as they have um, red flag laws on the list, you just say no. Uh, red flag laws needs to be a deal breaker for you. 
um, there, a whole lot of things need to be a deal breaker with regard to giving the Democrats an inch toward taking away your Second Amendment right. But the red flag is at the uh, laws at the top of the list because the same people that are the custodians of the J6 committee or the same people that are the custodians of the two standards of justice or the FBI and their two standards of justice or the DOJ and their two standards of justice and the globalists and how they want to basically seize your bank accounts and and force you to wear a mask and and tell you to take a jab or you're fired or all these different atrocities that globalists support, that liberals support, and that rhinos support, like the whole Bush dynasty and everything in between, all those old Republicans that we are now weeding out, weeding out, they are the ones that support red flag laws and they're the ones that support chipping away at your your rights, your inalienable rights. And, you know, there's a list of... Um, I just snapped this off of uh, Fox News, who, again, uh, federal, the Federalists came out with a, uh, a really good... a really good... Um, uh, news 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 article about uh, the left owns too much cultural ground without the few conservative harbors like Fox News giving it away. And here they have um, basically an endorsement of a transgender teen journey. They're doing an expose story on a transgender teen. Um, you know, and I will tell you this, over the weekend there was a... Uh, a series I was going to start watching, and it was on AMC Plus, and I, I'm not even going to say the name of it because I kind of forget it anyway. I tuned it as soon as I, so I was all set to watch it. It got good PR, good buzz, whatever, and then all of a sudden, this gynecologist, OBGYN doctor, who who uh, was the central role in this series, um, ended up in a gay relationship. You know, they were gay. Uh, He was gay. He was a central character, and he was gay. And I have no, like I say, I have no problem uh, with, uh, you know, I'm not a homophobe. I'm not a transphobe. I'm not a cisphobe. I'm not any phobe. I I don't have any phobias, okay? I'm not discriminating in any way. But what I don't like, I don't like quota systems, and I don't like, uh, when people um, enforce equity over equality. See, I like equality. I don't like equity. And and equity uh, basically brings in unlevel playing fields. Equity is the opposite and antithesis of equality. Equity is based on quotas and uh, that are based on skin color and gender and things that you can't control when you're born. And it has a select few government officials, globalists, pick winners and losers to rig the system, to, to, to fix the game. And, and I, don't, I don't think that it should be that way. I think everything should be uh, organic. I mean, I'm sure there are exceptions along the way that we can, we can address. Exceptions. Just like mail-in balloting should be an exception. Uh, elderly uh, away uh, on a military leave, 
Um, perhaps you're away on college and you can't vote at home. And for those reasons, yes, an absentee ballot should be fine. But to just say, you know, mail-in ballots for wherever you go, uh, I think that, that we need to readdress, re- readdress that situation. You know, because we can't, apparently, like in Pennsylvania, we cannot count fast enough. They don't know how to count fast enough, these mail-in ballots. And the Supreme Court in Pennsylvania just ruled against the conservatives. Um, and that's going to be something that you're going to see go up to the Supreme Court. They just ruled, the, the Pennsylvania Supreme Court just ruled that even even though the law says that you need to have an authorized, signed, dated uh, uh, outside envelope on your mail-in ballot, even when they are, it's not, even when those uh, signatures are missing, and even when there's no proper date stamp uh, to auth- authenticate the date of such letter, so no signature, no date stamp, and yet still, that should be accepted because the, the Pennsylvania Supreme Court is erring on the side of we cannot disenfranchise any voters. We cannot, therefore, throw out any votes. So McCormick was pushing that. McCormick and Oz were going head to head, you know, with this recount. And the recount, uh, McCormick was pushing for this, you know, count every vote, no matter if there's a signature on it or not no matter if there's no date authenticity, authenticity, um, it doesn't matter. Count every vote. Well, you know, he's sort of like the reason why it is that he shouldn't have been, you know, that he wasn't endorsed by Trump. Um, you know, so so you just, you have to, Pennsylvania, that, that Supreme Court ruling has to go to a higher court. Uh, we have to, we have to get a better resolution on that. Uh, maybe a circuit court uh, will 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 be able to appeal that. Um, we'll see what happens. I think it's the third circuit court. But in any case, we're losing too much cultural ground for Fox News to be given way to trans. I say boycott anything that's equity and woke <clears throat> at this point because it's an agenda it's a political agenda i'm sure that that series uh, over at amc that i wanted to see uh or thought i wanted to see i don't even i didn't see enough of it to really give it a grade but what i'm saying is is i tuned out i said no I, i'm sick of it i can't watch it i will not support it because once again you know all i know is statistically it says there are, you know, statistically there's X amount of people that do this and X amount of people that do that. So why is it that every single time I turn on the TV, I'm being force-fed some sort of equity program, some sort of woke program, uh, and it's grooming? And what it's doing to our kids is the, my bigger concern. It's not my, I don't have a concern so much about myself. I have a concern about supporting something that is grooming young children and saying it's okay to uh, abandon your Christian values. It's okay to uh, disrespect, you know, what it takes to build a family, a happy family. Think about the impact 
that this kind of confusion is going to have on down the road. You know, we had parents and mentors growing up because they helped guide us. And we had foolish thoughts and and uh, and were just lacking in full understanding of the world. But our parents, you know, kept us on the right track. And, you know, it, ju- it just, this, this type of confusion, I can't even imagine growing up in an environment that is this confusing for children. I mean, they have, they have, I have information overload and I can handle a lot of information and I am overwhelmed by the information. Forget about, you know, that whole dream utopia. I remember when we had three channels and UHF channel 47 or something and PBS, well, five channels, whatever, and a party line to boot, right, out in the country. You know, you pick up the line and and your neighbor's on the phone. And there'll be a minute. You know, but what I'm saying is, is is that I remember like this, oh, they have 60 channels. They have this new thing called cable. They have 60 channels, 600 channels. There's going to be one day, there's going to be 600 channels. Well, with the internet, and with YouTube and with with uh, BitChute and and uh, Rumble and all this different stuff and all these different social media platforms, we have practically sixty different mil- social media platforms, let alone sixty channels. And, and it's MeWe and Gab and and uh, Parler and Getter and you know I can go on down the list TikTok and. I mean, Snapchat and whatever. You need to just keep on going. Twitch. I mean, I could just keep on rattling them off. And everybody's everywhere. And it's it's just a... It's very overwhelming. And... And, you know, it's just too much information. So much information. And I think we need to control ourselves. We need self-control. We need self discipline because just because you can drink the whole bottle doesn't mean you should drink the whole bottle just because the bottle is there doesn't mean you should drink it all you have a sip and save a sip for another day you know moderation is key just because you could eat the whole enchilada doesn't mean you should you're going to have heartburn later you know, so on and so forth. We have to do better with our personal responsibility and self-discipline. But that's where children, you know, don't aren't as well-equipped and that they need parental guidance and they need a roadmap to success. And, you know, the exception is fine. It should not be the rule. The exception should not be the rule. Like we were talking about absentee ballots versus mail-in ballots. should be an exception, not the rule. Otherwise, you're going to have rigged elections and you're going to end up with a, uh, a fake president of the United States that never was duly elected. I mean, you cannot tell me that Joe Biden got 10 million more votes than, than Barack Obama. 
But yeah, we have important elections coming up, and I'm I'm going to recommend South Carolinians uh, vote for Arrington over Mace. Mace is the incumbent, and she is a Trump-hating fool. And anybody who votes for her is basically voting uh, to support impeachment. Now, she never voted to impeach. But anybody that could look and see the words that Trump chose to use on January 6th and then badmouth the president of the United States, Trump, the best president we've ever had, and badmouth him because he said to protest peacefully and patriotically. That's the words he used. And somehow she had a fault with that because that's not what the main media narrative was. And she threw Trump under the bus for something he didn't do. She turned a blind eye to due process. Well, there are senators that are supporting this gun framework that basically supports and endorses red flag laws. And I can't believe some of the names that are on this list. Cornyn from Texas, a Republican. I'm going to name Republicans. Tillis from North Carolina. Tillis. Trump actually helped him get elected. How about Blunt from Missouri? What is up with these senators? These are all senators that are supporting red flag laws. These, these, these people need to go. Cornyn and Tillis. Cornyn from Texas. These are all senators. Cornyn from Texas. Tillis from North Carolina. Blunt from Missouri. Burr. Now he's gone. Burr is out the door. He's from North Carolina. So you got two senators from North Carolina, Tillis and Burr. What are they drinking in the water down there? And South Carolina, too. You know, you got uh, uh, all these different rhinos in South Carolina, too, like Lindsey Graham supported this. So Lindsey Graham put him on the list. Susan Collins from Maine. You know who I don't see on here? I don't see Murkowski. She's got an election coming up. Alaska doesn't take too kindly to red flag laws. Because it's so remote, you need to have your gun to to protect your household. Cassidy, Dr. Cassidy from Louisiana. Susan Collins from Maine. Lindsey Graham from South Carolina. Supports red flag laws. And then you got Mitt Romney. You got Portman from Ohio. Can't wait till he's gone. And Pat Toomey, he's gone. Pat Toomey's going to be gone from Pennsylvania. And those are the Republican senators that support red flag laws. Red flag laws are those laws where you basically what happens is people can tell on you and they can make stuff up just like liberals do all the time. Like Jesse Smollett could be your neighbor, right? And he could say that you... Um, Let's see. Let's make something up that's like wild, right? So say Jesse Smollett's your neighbor, and he he wakes up one day and he says that you 
uh, conservative wore a MAGA hat and poured bleach all over him and put a noose around his neck and decided that they were going to try to lynch him. Just suppose, <laughs> I know it's crazy, right? Suppose Jesse Smollett was your neighbor and said that about you. Now, just because he said it, under the red flag law, what ends up happening is you don't have a right to bear arms. Your Second Amendment rights are removed. Forget about it. You don't have to commit a felony anymore. You don't have to do that. All you have to do is wake up one day, and just because you, were, you had a neighbor that hates your politics, like Jesse Smollett, he's going to accuse you of lynching him and you're ne- now never going to be able to have a gun again for the rest of your life. That's a red flag law. And that's what Lindsey Graham and, and Toomey and Burr and, and Blunt and all these rhino senators, Republican senators, Susan Collins, that's, that's what they support. And I'm really, really sick and tired of having to deal with these types of rhinos. Well, this is Nancy Mace. This is a woman that's up for election in South Carolina tomorrow. And um, let's take a listen. Or on I should say on Tuesday. All right, so uh, let's take a listen. So we're going to listen to Nancy Mace. She was basically asked, what do you think of, you know, Donald Trump and all his rhetoric? You know, this is... Uh, on ABC. Here's what Nancy Mace had to say about Donald Trump. Yeah, absolutely. There should be accountability for those actions from the president on down. And it wasn't just she's, the. She's talking about Trump, by the way. She's not talking about Biden. She's talking about Trump president that uh that enabled this violence to happen that incited it i mean there were if you watch the speeches or read the transcripts from the speeches that day if you look some might argue that the president's actions have been inflammatory and divisive and so my question to you is should there be accountability and consequences for those actions if so what nancy mace yeah absolutely there should be accountability for those actions from the president on down and it wasn't just the president that uh that enabled this violence to happen that incited it I mean, there were, if you watch the speeches or read the transcripts from the speeches that day, if you look at the rhetoric after the November election leading up to it, especially ratcheting up in the last seven to 10 days, I mean, someone threatened to shoot me on social media uh, over my desire to, my, my, my intention to vote to certify what should have been a ceremonial vote to certify the Electoral College. And so um, people do need to be held accountable. Right now, an impeachment, I mean, the, there's no there's no way you can have an investigation or a trial or review evidence in the next week before Joe Biden is sworn in. Uh, an impeachment, articles of impeachment, when they come out of the House, will not get to the U.S. Senate until January 19th, casting a, a dark cloud over the inauguration of, of Joe Biden. I think that it is a risk to further divide the country. I, I worry about the peaceful transfer of power, particularly, you know, with the inauguration coming up so soon after the this violent 
Act last week. I think that there are other options on the table, um, whether that's a bipartisan, bicameral commission to investigate. Um, when you do an impeachment, it needs to be done over time. There needs to be deliber deliberation. There needs to be due process. So we've got to be really careful about the precedent we set. Just like last week, talking about the constitutional precedent of certifying the Electoral College, the same thing goes for the impeachment. Um, and so we've just got to be very careful and circumspect about it without pouring gasoline on the, the fire that already is across the United United States because there are a number of people all across the country that are in severe denial. Now I remember We're when, joined now by um, Republican Congress here, here's inflammatory this impeachment. Look at the rhetoric after the November election leading up to This it. is where she says uh, president should face accountability for his actions. We'll just blah, blah, blah. So we're, we're done with listening to Nancy Mace. Just, just don't vote for her tomorrow. All right, just on Tuesday in South Carolina, don't vote for her. Okay, if she's going to say those things, just don't vote for her. If you support America first, if you support uh, due process, if you support the fact that Trump had every right to protest the outcome of that election, because there's no way that Joe Biden got 81 million votes, 10 million more votes than Barack Hussein. And you just can't tell me that that was fair. That, that election was fair. And they, they already found so many anomalies. <clears throat> and, you know, they, they found them in pockets all over the place, in Atlanta and in Philly and in uh, Phoenix and, and so many other places. I mean, I remember they called Virginia uh, one minute after the polls closed. And in that vote, Trump was winning most of that night. And I, I believe he did take Virginia. And proof is in the pudding, too, because, you know, we have Youngskin now here in Virginia, where I'm in Arlington. And uh, and I'm telling you that, uh, uh, you know, McAuliffe, who was the heir apparent, who was well-funded as a Democrat candidate for governorship, lost in a state of Virginia. Virginia is not a blue state. It's a purple state. But when you got a guy like Trump, compare him to a guy like Biden. There's no comparison. A guy that can fill up six circles versus a guy who can fill up arena after arena five times in one day. Please don't insult my intelligence. So Nancy Mace, she's got to go, and she's got to go tomorrow. So when you vote tomorrow, South Carolinians, vote for Arrington over Nancy Mace in uh, District 1. Okay, all right. So now we got that out of the way. Um, all right, so there is a... We want to talk a little bit about the economy, and we want to talk about some things I heard over the weekend. One of the things I like to do is I like to um, go on the treadmill at the gym at 10 a.m., and every uh, Sunday morning I listen to uh, uh, Maria Bartiroma's Sunday Morning Futures. I think it's a great show, and uh, it's, it's my go-to show on Sunday mornings. Um, so first this is, uh, Jim Jordan and then, well, 
Yeah. Jim Jordan's going to be talking about the committee. Um, and then uh, we have um, Smith, Jason Smith from Missouri, who's going to be talking about Janet Yellen and inflation. Um, and both are really worth hearing. So I'm going to share both of those with you. Uh, we're going to start off with Jim Jordan. All right, here we go. Oh, today, an economic calamity. Inflation spikes to another new 40-year high. Gasoline prices surge above $5 a gallon across America. And the stock market loses $7 trillion in value this year. As the president does his first interview in more than 100 days, but misleads the American people about the economy. Look, here's where we are. We have the fastest growing economy in the world. The world. The world. That's a lie. No, actually, the economy contracted 1.5% in the first quarter. And now, predictions, it's about to get much worse as the Federal Reserve moves to raise interest rates again this upcoming week. It's a hurricane. It's Jamie we, Right now, it's kind of sunny. Things are doing fine. You know, everyone thinks the, the, the Fed can handle this. JP that Morgan hurricane case. is right out there down the road coming our way. I think that we're really heading for a Lehman-type moment in here because if you, I think, and listening to institutional investors, the marks on private equity and venture capital are potentially off by $600 billion. All right, so now we're going to go right to Jim Jordan's interview, uh, his commentary, and then we're going to go to Jason Smith's uh, commentary. Really great commentary. Um, Jim Jordan's is a little bit more conventional, uh, but Jason Smith. And his exchange, committee exchange with Janet Yellen was really something. Um, so we're going to save the best for last. But here's Jim Jordan, my man, my man, my main man, Jim Jordan. Well, we'll, we'll investigate. We want to, I want to see all the depositions. I want to see all the documents. And, and uh, uh, a ranking member, uh, Rodney Davis, has already sent a preservation letter to the committee saying, preserve all this information so we can look at it and the American people can get the full story, not just this one-sided choreographed uh, presentation we got, <clears throat> excuse me, we got the other night. So, uh, but when you think about what this committee has done, never in the history of this country, in the history of the House of Representatives, has a minority leader not been able to put on a select committee the individuals he or she has selected? We also know that this committee has altered evidence and lied to the American people about it. So much so that they had to issue a statement which says, we regret the air, which is government speak for, we got caught lying. So that's what this committee is about. I think the country sees, sees it for what it is, a partisan political activity. That's why the leader and I wrote the op-ed that we did uh, in the Wall Street Journal a couple weeks ago. Yeah, you know, it's interesting because one of the questions that you have brought up, Kevin McCarthy has brought up on this program just last week, is why was the Capitol so vulnerable in the first place? Who knew what that violence was going to happen and why weren't the frontline cops aware of that? What have we learned in terms of that? Why? Why this was allowed well, to happen, a breach of yeah, the Capitol? We didn't learn any. Yeah, Maria, you're right. Good question. We didn't learn anything about the answer to that question from the hearing the other night. Uh, and only one person can really answer that question. That's the Speaker of the House. And guess what? The chairman of this committee, Benny Thompson, has said she's off limits. He's not going to ask her anything. He's not going to call her. He's not going to they're not going to depose her. But she's the one who was offered the National Guard from the White House. We know that we've had countless people tell us that President Trump said, if you need National Guard there that day, they're available. She didn't take him up on that offer because 
According to correspondence, according to testimony that we had received uh, and media reports, I should say, the sergeant at arms says that the speaker's office didn't like the optics of that. And you know why they didn't like the optics? Because you can never forget the context here. In the summer of 2020, they called rioters and looters peaceful protesters all summer long. And so with that as the backdrop and that as the framework, it's kind of tough then on January 6th to say, you know what? We want more law enforcement. We want the National Guard there to protect the Capitol. I think that's the reason they didn't do it, because of their position on defunding the police and the position they took uh, during the summer of 2020. But she should be asked that question. That's something that when if the American people put us in charge, we will get to the bottom of and we'll get an answer to. Yeah, I think you make an important point because Chuck Schumer was out and about taunting extremists in 2020 uh, about Brett Kavanaugh and the Supreme Court. We know that this past week a murder attempt was made on Justice Brett Kavanaugh's life. Uh, we also know that there was legislation that passed in the Senate two months ago to protect justices uh, and, and give them security. But here's Nancy Pelosi when she was asked about that uh, legislation and why it has not come to the floor in the House. Watch. An armed man showed up near Justice Kavanaugh's house. There will be a bill, but nobody is in danger over the weekend because uh, of our not having a bill. Um, what happened with that bill? Maria, Maria their, their, uh, their effort to intimidate the United States Supreme Court is so intense that they won't even pass this legislation, legislation that passed the Senate unanimously. So think about that. Bernie Sanders supported that legislation. Uh, uh, Elizabeth Warren supported that legislation. Every Democrat supported that legislation, and they won't bring it up in light of the fact now that we had an assassination attempt on the sitting justice, a sitting justice of the United States Supreme Court. That is unbelievable that she said, oh, no. You know, um, basically that point there uh, is that they, they don't have a problem with uh, intimidating justices when it comes to favoring them. Um, and so the other part is, uh, is, is that uh, she, she um, well, there's two parts to, to this uh, exchange here. One, Trump offered them National Guard. They didn't take it. And they didn't take it because they had a fix in. They had an infiltration. There was a sting operation. There was a setup that was going on. There were organizers that were working for the FBI. And the FBI, as we know now, is working for the Democrat Party. And this Department of Justice, you know, is also embroiled in liberalism and liberal bureaucracy. So it doesn't even matter what you put up at the top in terms of an attorney general, it doesn't matter because the infrastructure, uh, the wheels that turn the government, the bureaucracy, is, is all Washingtonians that vote 95% of the time for, for, for the Democrat Party. 95%. You know, you could be smoking crack like Marion Barry did and get a statue put up on your name they won't tear that statue down because somehow you're a crackhead. And, but they'll tear down Jefferson and Washington. You know, it's, it's absolutely absurd what the Democrats have become. You know, they're not interested. The reason why they want to take away your guns is because you're their enemy. The reason why they put fencing and walls up and barricades around every single government property is because you're the enemy. They want to keep you out of the 
the house that you pay for, the people's house. They want to keep you out. So, you know, this whole thing about uh, saying no to the National Guard was because they couldn't rig it. Because the National Guard would have said, hey, you know, I saw all this happening. You know, but, uh, and, and I guess Trump couldn't insist it, but he offered it. And Muriel Bowser did the same thing, the mayor of D.C., dumb as a pile of rocks. You know, she's the one that put Black Lives Matter up and down Pennsylvania Avenue like a dummy. And basically, you know, and then when the church was being, St. John was being burnt to the ground, the liberal, um, the liberal lesbian uh, church head of the Episcopalian Church uh, that was there, um, badmouthed Trump for basically holding the Bible up and saying, you know, we'll defend Christianity. And and then Millie, of course, you know, kind of threw Trump under the bus on that one as well when they went across the street and held the Bible up and whatever. But the thing is, is, is that he saved the church from burning to the ground and she spit the Episcopalian... Um, head of that church spit in Trump's eye not even a thank you so there's a there's a lot going on here this committee is rigged this committee is rigged and there's nothing that we can do about it they just continue to do it i mean to say that Cheney and Kinzinger are republicans is to is to call the you know is what that that's ridiculous it was kind of funny over the weekend. Um, Maria uh, Ocasio-Cortez was asked if she would endorse Biden. And I said, uh, and she said she wouldn't. You know, she, she said, well, we'll wait and see. Well, we're not ready to endorse yet. And of course, um, nobody's talking about it from this particular angle. but the angle that you need to be looking at that from is in line with what I've been saying since the beginning. I said the whole reason why you have what's called the squad is because you have a block of voters and in a House of Representatives where it's separated by like seven votes, you need basically seven um, votes to sway or you know you need a, a, enough to make a difference so they ran out of manpower you know Rashid Tlaib Ilhan Omar you know people that will sell out America right people who hate America um, uh, Pre- uh, Presley uh, uh, Cory Bush you know uh, Casio Cortez they even got a few guys now joining the party and uh, most of them are people of color because, I don't know, they're, they're just a rat. They can count on those radical lefties to sell out. I, I don't understand, you know, why it is that black people uh, that are liberals hate America so much. But liberal black people, unlike conservative black people, um, tend to really hate America. Uh, liberal black people do but rather than. And, and you know what? The thing is, you can't really say the same thing about Hispanics or Asians. It's not quite the same way. And it has something to do with 
the social, uh, the liberals, liberal laws, the Jim Crow laws, and somehow the liberals were able to control the media and sell the idea that, no, the Jim Crow laws were from conservatives. No, they were from, look it up, look it up on the internet. In Wikipedia, for example, it says social liberals, Democrats, white liberal, liberal Democrats of the South passed Jim Crow laws. Because you don't see this kind of black um, <clears throat> behavior in European countries and elsewhere. You see it here in America. And you see it with the black victimization. And it, it is a real problem. And it's exactly what drove a lot of the election lit rigging in Philly and in Atlanta and Milwaukee and elsewhere. Um, and, you know, somebody needs to... <clears throat> put a spotlight on it because it is what it is. It's an indoctrination and a grooming and a sellout. But these squad, there's seven of them now or six of them, and they make up the difference. <clears throat> and because they have this little power block, they can get paid for their sway. One person can't get paid. They'll just throw that person out. Ocasio-Cortez, for example, dismissed. Get out of my office. You have no power. You have no weight. But if you can come packing with seven people that will act like puppets, now you'll get more for your constituency. You'll get more for your district. You might even get more donations for your coffers. You might even get more perks, <clears throat> contracts. You might get paid to your foundation, right? So it brings a whole new meaning to the pay-to-play thing. So when Ocasio-Cortez was on with The View and said she's not ready to make an endorsement, that's because she wasn't going to give the endorsement away. She wasn't expecting the question. And so therefore, she was not going to give the endorsement away for free. She's going to get paid for that endorsement. And that's the way they do it. <clears throat> I wrote this. I said, people are missing the true reason why AOC avoided endorsing quid pro Joe and that like a hooker, she needs to be paid for her services. Like the entire squad, they never give any of their votes for free. They're a power block that extorts the left to impact liberal house votes. That's what they're doing. And, you know, Nancy Pelosi has to now answer to them. She w Nancy Pelosi wouldn't answer to Ocasio-Cortez. But if Ocasio-Cortez leads the squad and there's seven people and they vote as a block, meaning they never deviate from each other, now there's seven votes. you got to buy my seven votes. These seven votes, all for one, one for all. Where we go one, where we go all. That becomes a very powerful little union, like a union, you know, trying to get better pay and trying to get this and that. You're more powerful as a block <clears throat> than you are individually, the sum of the parts. So that's how that was working out. So in any case, um, we're going to get to uh, the, the highlight. Uh, this guy is just so good. Take a listen to... Uh, uh, Congressman, Senator, uh, I mean, I'm sorry, Congressman Jason Smith. 
This is his exchange in the committee with Janet Yellen. I love his tone, his tenor. Uh, take a listen. Do uh, you see any role for fiscal restraint in combating inflation? I do. Um, we, our budget proposes deficit reduction. Deficits have come down, but especially in light of the inflationary situation, so, um, I think there should be further deficit reduction. So fiscal restraint does affect inflation. I appreciate that. You said yes. Um, the deficit last year, what was it? Um, was it $2.78 trillion? Probably, I... Yeah, that's, that's what we have from the Budget Committee. And that is the second largest deficit in the history of this nation. I absolutely love that exchange. So, you know, they're trying to say that they're uh, deficit, concerned about the deficit, and of course they're not. And she's basically saying, you know, controlling the deficit controls, you know, inflation. And then 2.78 in deficit. I mean, he just totally owned her on that. And here she is, the Secretary of the Treasury, and she doesn't even know what the what the uh, d- deficit was last year, $2.78 trillion. Are you kidding me? So let's take a listen to the interview he had with Maria Barnaroma. I mean, this guy is, is, is really, really good. Well, she opened up, Maria, it's great to be with you. She opened up her statement saying that this administration is cutting deficits. Then when I asked her the amount that the deficit was, she she didn't know those numbers offhand. And being the Treasury Secretary, and if you're testifying before uh, a committee that is has jurisdiction over you, you should know that the deficit was $2.78 trillion, the second highest in the history of our country. The problem is, is people aren't holding them at task whenever they make statements that are completely inaccurate. Well, I want to get your take on where this is going, because American families are feeling the pinch here of the sting of inflation. We have a graphic here of the cost of basic goods in America, and it is an ugly sight. Do you think inflation gets worse and why? You made a really important point to me when we spoke uh, about why you think inflation stays elevated. Explain why you believe uh, this is uh, going to continue. Maria, American families are struggling. As we saw on Friday, inflation was 8.6% month to month, 12.2% since Joe Biden took the oath of office. Gas prices have more than doubled this 109%. People are paying $5 a gallon. American families are struggling just to put food on the table, clothes on their backs and gasoline in their cars. For anyone to say that inflation has peaked and it's only going down is not looking at what's happening. Out of that $2 trillion American rescue plan that was passed a year ago, it's all not been spent. In fact, hundreds of billions of dollars of that just went out in the last couple of weeks. And, 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 and to, to take notice, the, the states and political uh, local subdivisions that receive so much money from the American Rescue Plan are just now starting to spend that money. That's only going to fuel the fire of inflation. But what is this administration trying to do to address inflation? They're trying to continue to revive the Build Back Broke bill that would spend another $5 trillion. You cannot inflate your way out of inflation. Well, you make a good point. I want to get into that. You say the money hasn't even gone out in the COVID relief 1.9. You cannot inflate your way out of inflation. That is exactly right, folks. 
You can't spend, just because you have it there, injecting that cash is only going to make prices go up higher. Let's take a listen. We're going to have power outages all across the country, and specifically California is going to be hit the worst. And, you know, the president once again has been advised of this, but he is missing it just like he did with the baby formula shortages. Uh, We're going to have blackouts. We're going to have higher costs. The people are going to be paying more for spotty service. If he wants you to buy an electric car, I'd say you're better buying an electric generator. (laughs) I actually queued that one up just for that line. I thought that line was great. Let's take a listen to uh, uh, continue to listen to uh, Jason Smith from uh, Missouri. Maria, this administration's more focused on implementing their progressive wish list items than and worried about what those actions do to hardworking Americans. We see that because in his first week in office, his executive order with his war on U.S. energy has now caused gas prices to hit the hit hit record highs, five dollars a gallon. Filling up my F-150 just a couple weeks ago cost me almost $150. Americans can't afford this. But you know what? Gas prices are only going to continue to rise because of the policies of this one-party Democrat control of Nancy Pelosi, Chuck Schumer, and Joe Biden are causing. And this is this is literally going to be about $5,000 per family this year just by increases in gas. Yeah, and we're looking at the timeline, and it's very clear that the policies have stoked inflation, but he keeps calling it Putin's price hike. So uh, back to what you said earlier in terms of the money from the COVID relief package, which was signed into law in March of 21. The the money, much of the money hasn't even gone out yet, and that's why you believe inflation stays elevated. Can you tell me more about that? Well, let's say inflation before this bill was passed in February 2021, the first month of Joe Biden's off, of Joe Biden's term was 1.7 percent. Now it's it's went up 12.2 percent. And what does the American people got from that? They got the American Rescue Plan that was passed the following month. That was a two trillion dollar spending bill. Less than nine percent of it went towards covid to kill um, to kill covid. But 91 percent of it went towards random things such 400 billion dollars to pay people not to work. There was $400 billion estimated in fraud. But guess what? $140 million went towards luxury hotels in Florida, $17 million for a golf course, $2 million to plant trees, $783 million for checks to prisoners. And guess what? If you're a Japanese citizen, you got a $1,400 stimulus check. That is why every American is paying more to put food on their table, clothes on their backs, and gasoline in their cars because of the Democrats' wasteful spending. And I know in your weekly budget meetings, you identify the wasteful spending. We just put a graphic up there about some of the things that you're referring to. Uh, Congressman, you're also just back from the border. Another wild policy here that has been uh, harmful. Uh, Tell me what you saw at the border, because we know that we've been to the border. This program and and my show, Mornings with Marie on Fox Business, we went to the border four times. And we saw the way that the cartels are running uh, the opening to America, the southern border. Tell me what you saw when you were on the ground at the border. 
It's absolutely ter- terrible, Maria. I took the largest delegation to the border just over a week ago. Two-thirds of my House Budget Committee went there. We went to investigate exactly how tens of billions of Americans' dollars are being spent and not being spent. In fact, we saw where the president is violating the Budget Impoundment Act of 1974, the bipartisan appropriations of $1.4 billion to build the wall, yet we saw over $300 million worth of wall material rusting in a scrapyard. It was unacceptable. But what was even worse is talking to the Border Patrol and seeing how the criminal cartel is profiting $32 million a day by allowing people to cross the southern border. They're charging them to cross the southern border. It's unacceptable that our policies are enriching the Mexican cartel. Well, that's just incredible. And when we went to the border, the border agents told us that these cartels are taking home $200 million a week. So that adds up uh, to what you're saying. They charge $4,000 a head. Anybody from the Northern Triangle, they charge twenty dollars to $30,000 a head. If you're from the Middle East, uh, the Chinese are are paying up to $50,000 a head to get in here. uh, and, And the cartels are allowing it. And those cartels, they're dangerous cartels. They're like, 10 miles south of the border, right? You, because I know that I, and I reported there, were, there was a merger of two very dangerous cartels. And they've got, you know, equipment that is, uh, is equivalent to, like, military-style equi- uh, equipment, right? The Border Patrol showed us a video of just 10 miles south of the border of the Mexican cartel cartels fighting with one another with military equipment. What's concerning is, is that along the southern border, the Border Patrol told us that people from 174 different countries has been caught crossing the southern border. They know that the way they can get de facto residency in the United States is through the southern border. But before they cross that border, they have to pay the Mexican cartel. It's unacceptable that this is how it's become. Well, I think it's extraordinary that all of this is happening and there's no pivot. There's no pivot to the middle. In fact, we know that right now Chuck Schumer is still driving the Build Back Better agenda, trying to get Joe Manchin and Christian Cinema on board. We'll see about that. Uh, Congressman, it's good to see you. Thanks very much for being here. Yeah, that's amazing stuff. And you know what? It's all on purpose, folks. You know, Mallorca, uh, the energy secretary. I mean, they, these people cannot be that inept and that stupid. It's not... It's it, it's not by mistake that these things are happening. They're basically trying to say that they are trying to fix problems, but they're creating the problems. You, see, you know, it's so obvious. You know, for Janet Yellen to sit there and act like she doesn't know at Econ 101 is, is absolutely insane. You know, that a show host like me or like what Tucker Carlson said last week, it's like, leave it to a show host to figure it out, and Janet Yellen can't? You know, I make any sense. You know, she's supposed to be the smartest person in the room when it comes to these things. You know, so it's just un- completely unacceptable. But this is not just unacceptable. It's a national security threat. They are actually ag- working against America. They're the enemy of the state, and they're running the state. That's the problem. So anyway, uh, that brings us to the end of the Scott Adams Show. Thank you all for listening. Be sure to check out buglecall.org, magapack.org to find out how we're promoting America First policies to make America great again. And use Red State over at mypillow.com 
as your promo code. And we'll see you next time on the radio. Bye, everybody. Grab a shovel, dig a hole a little deeper, just to bury my kids right up to there.